Welcome to the More Business, More Life podcast. This show is for socially conscious leaders, entrepreneurs, CEO founders that have found success, but they yet they don't have the ideal life that they would like. And what we're going to do is bring in concepts and systems so that we can increase business with millions of additional revenue while lowering our work hours, ideally below 40 hours a week. We call this more business, more life. And it's an and, not an or. We don't have to have either or. We can actually systemize this to have both. And those are the concepts we're going to come with each episode. Sometimes we might talk a little bit more about business, sometimes more life, most of the time, both. (laughs) So welcome to the show. Welcome to More Business, More Life podcast. And today we're going to talk about something that maybe a lot of people don't like talking about. What is our price? What are we charging for a product or service? And what's the value of that? And are we undervaluing ourselves? And we're also going to talk about the imposter syndrome. Is our product or service worth what we want to charge? How do we calculate this? What are the factors? And then how do we move past that imposter syndrome, fully step into the value that we bring to people? and the marketplace and fully embrace our full value. How do we do all that? And I'm also going to be very vulnerable right now and tell you, I'm going to share my own mistakes and current ones that I've actually repeated, embarrassingly enough, that I've repeated some of the same mistakes and undervaluing myself and undercharging. And this is going to be a little therapeutic for myself, as well as taking time to teach you what we figured out. So enjoy the podcast. And today we wanted to talk about valuing ourselves and and pricing ourselves. A lot of times as an entrepreneur or a CEO, a founder, and we're looking at our price point for whatever it is, a product or a service, uh, a lot of things go into account. I just want to address that. Like what the market looks like, what what will be allowed, what is our what are our goals? But the topic kind of turned a little bit for us today in the fact that on one of our other podcasts, we were talking about access and we want to make things accessible. And I I think that's something that I've become conscious of. But then at the same time, I've also had lessons through our actual own doing and like what the results have been. And sometimes lowering our price is not the best choice. So we want to just basically kind of start to like break this apart so we can start to think about, okay, how do we value what we're doing and then make the impact we want? Because ultimately for me, the impact I want to make is I want to help others have the life that they want. And, and that you want to make it even more accessible, right? Like we want to open up to more audiences and all kinds of different opportunities. And so sometimes I've had the tendency to want to lower my prices. And I I guess we just want to explore that. And so just as an example, and we'll kind of kick this off during COVID, I gave away some free things to existing audience members that have already been following me or been a part of my courses in the past. And I was shocked. I was like, I need to give this away. I need to help people right now. And And then the amount of people that participated was so low. I was like disheartened. I'm like, oh my gosh. And because of my awareness, and this is not the first time I've learned this lesson. Sometimes it's embarrassing that you make the same mistake multiple times. And in this case, it is true for me. I have made this mistake more than once and always comes back to me and my heart 
wanting to give something away. And and then what was so crazy was my team and I still believed that we needed to get this out to our audience. So we took it back and repackaged it and sold it to the same people that we offered it for free. And I kid you not, like more people signed up, paid and did it. The same people. I was like, and to me, I was in disbelief. I was like, I didn't, you, you kind of don't want it to be true. You're like, did this just happen? Like you try to give something away and then they don't take it. And then, and, and there is the perception in this when it's information or something that can help you. Like, again, there is some market things you have to look at, like what market are we in and what are we doing? But in this case, sometimes free is thought of as worthless and then people don't value it. So this is kind of where we are. And then as many of you know, they're listening to this podcast. I was paralyzed in 2021. So we're coming through this COVID experience, then I'm paralyzed. And then I took a, about an 18 month sabbatical and I'm doing a lot better. And so one thing backing up during COVID, we also made a different mentorship program. So I've been running mentorship programs for a long time now, uh, about a decade, oh, actually a little longer than a decade, crazy, uh, is that I've been running uh, group mentorship programs. And my price point before COVID, there was like three levels. And so it was like $20,000, $30,000, $40,000 to be a part of these high level mentorships. So during COVID, after we had that experience that I told you about giving some things away for free, then we did like a, a lighter version of mentorship, but still really, really life-giving and holding space for people. And we were doing that for $12,000, so much lower price point. And again, I was in this thought like, oh my gosh, the world needs this, let me help. And then looking back at it, we had, now it could be the circumstances, I know there's a lot of layers to this, but we had fewer enrollments, which is just interesting. And even when I look back further, when I had lower price points, I had fewer. So it's like interesting, like when you, so prior to me charging 20, 30, $40,000, I had less enrollments. And, and at that time too, I think I was still speaking. Like I can, I can say that I was in front and actually, you know what, I'm going to say this. Cause actually, as I think back, I was in front of less people. So I had, cause during the period that I had the lower price, I I my had my biggest speaking engagement ever. I was in front of 20,000 people in Time Warner Cable Center at an event, the full stadium. And then I had other bigger speaking engagements. And then I had smaller audiences with a higher price point and and we sold more. So I'm just saying all this out loud and this is just like my own experiences. Now let's go back to the timeline and I'll I'll finish this this initial thought off. Then during COVID lower prices trying to help more people. That was the intention. Let me help more people and make more access. And then now, since I came back, I had this crazy idea and and even my team, including Giovanni, who's on our podcast here all the time, he's like, I don't know about this. <laughs> like so, but I made the price point $6,000 for six months. So basically a thousand a month to kick things off, to really say, Hey, I'm back. I'm, I'm not paralyzed anymore. And just to reset the energy and kind of create momentum in my mind, again, I thought, Oh, this will create momentum. It'll help uh, people. And people are still transitioning after these last couple of years, the experience has been 
a lot of revelations for a lot of people and they're changing their direction. And then to come to the end here, like it did create momentum. There was some new momentum, but it's not the experience that I had when I was charging more. And also I could see the wear on myself and my team because we're doing the same level of work and we're getting paid less and we're giving our, our life because we believe in the work we're doing with our clients. And so we're giving like first class service for a discounted price. And so I just want to be very vulnerable today and say, I did it again. I did it again. Oh my gosh. I was sitting here this week going, I did it again. Oh my gosh. And have I not learned this lesson enough? And so, so this is kind of also me having this final realization and I, I told everyone on the team and myself, this is it. We're no longer doing it this way. And so now this is the end. So we're allowing space for 12 more people at this price point. And we're setting a, a deadline over the next three weeks for that. And this is it. It's the last, any last people that want in on this gift. And then, and then we're going to incrementally increase the price. So we'll have a price increase and then we'll hold that till the end of the year. And then we'll have another price increase the beginning of the year. And then probably one more price increase sometime next year to get kind of back to our pre-COVID pricing. And at the same time, just to close this thought for anyone listening, because our heart really is in helping people. But then I wrote two books and the second book came out in 2017. And so there's been a gap. And I, I was already working on my third book during COVID. And then when I was paralyzed, I had to put that on pause. But this is also life-giving. When I charge more to the people that want mentorship, it gives me more money and time to write my books and develop other content that can be really low cost, like 20, 20 bucks for a book or, or free on our podcast. Like if you're listening to this, we don't charge for this. We give away these moments of knowledge. So I have to remind myself in my heart that I am doing these good deeds. I am giving things away for free. And, and I remember again, like, and then this will be a good cap off. And I want to hear from Melissa and Stephanie on this too but just to cap this off i remember i don't know what year this was maybe in 2017 2018 i i met this guy he wanted to bring me into his audience and speak and then i told him about he wanted to know about my mentorship and i told him and he asked i want to know about my price point because he was seeing like the do our audiences overlap and all and he said oh my gosh you charge way too much for my audience and I said, well, have you gone to my website? And he's like, no, not yet. So, or I, I haven't looked at it in depth. I said, well, go there and go. I, at that time I had a TV show. We were doing more television than we were doing podcast. And I can't remember how many episodes we, we had. Now we have over a hundred of those. And that's been on pause since COVID because I did it in person. Like it wasn't like a, a video screen to screen. It was like camera crew here people would come to my house and we'd shoot the episodes and then he went on there and i'm not even joking this is serious the next week when we had our call he said oh my gosh there's so much content in there you have to charge for that and i said you're missing the point like i i do that for free for all the people that need access to those things that are willing to take action because then those people that will take action and i have had people that wanted to be in my mentorships so much they took my one of my books, read that, started watching my show, 
did some things to make enough money to get into mentorship and then ultimately to have financial success. So I have had people that couldn't afford and then make their way all the way into the programs. So basically it's time again to charge appropriately, be full embodiment of my value and what I bring, and then be able to offer things at a lower cost or free because I'm able to. Like, think about it when you have enough money and you're able to write a book or you're able to produce some content, that takes time. So now I'm investing my time to give to the world. And some folks that are ready, they can pay a high price to get the high result at a faster pace. So basically, the more people pay, the faster they get it tends to be. And it's not just paying us more gets it faster. I've done it too. I've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for coaching. And when I write those checks, guess what I do? I get motivated because I want my money back. So you start doing more. So that was a lot. I do this often, right? But I just wanted to, I guess I wanted to put out the board of like, here's all the thoughts. Like, what should we charge? How much do we value ourselves? When we charge a lot, how do we still give access? So we're thinking about it all. It's like a big circle here. So I just wanted to say all of that and be really vulnerable that right here in 2023, I made the same mistake again. Well, please do jump in. Like, what are your feelings about this in general, I guess, about price and value? I'll jump in here first because I think what I notice with many, I'll call them solopreneurs, seeing as how I jumped out of my career and became an entrepreneur. My husband was an entrepreneur before me. And since he was a performer, I think a lot of times we don't realize that when we're making that jump, we are also expected to create a product, which happens to be ourself, and to assign a value to what we are worth, I'll call it. And when we are providing our services, I think a lot of people have real trepidation when it comes to assigning that value or that price. Not that it's your whole value, but the price of whatever it is you're offering. And we tend to undervalue ourselves always. Kind of takes me back to people talk about the imposter syndrome all the time where it's like, well, I'm not sure that I'm actually worth that price. And I think we all kind of go through times where we question whether it's the price, is it me? Is it the product I'm offering? Like, what is it exactly? And I think it's really hard for people to kind of separate the assessment of what they're charging in terms of whatever product they're delivering and themselves, their value of themselves. And so for me, I think it's, you have to kind of start by just understanding that you are valuable. You are a valuable person. You are worth it and you are enough, right? I mean, start there. So from that position of authority, then you can say, and I'm worth it. I am worth it. So whatever you're pricing your services, you are worth it. I get all the marketing in the background where you say, hey, I want to do a 
a special offer or, and you do those things for specific reasons. And I know, Steve, you have this overwhelming sense of love that you want to give your entire self into everything you do, which is wonderful. But I also think that there can only be a limited time where you do that because you you do start to feel the stress of all of that. But you also begin to recognize who your audience is and what your audience values. And if you continue to offer things at a lower fee or a lower charge, you tend to get people that maybe aren't as convicted, maybe they're not as committed, and they may have kind of a different sense of value. That's not to say they're bad. That's just the way some like things happen for a reason. Everybody's journey is different. But I think a lot of times we need to make sure that we're valuing ourselves. And I I saw this firsthand as I watched my husband and Steve was mentoring him at the time. And because the product was absolutely him, he was a professional storyteller, a performer. And Steve would be like, hey, your price should be like here. And my husband's brain was just like, what are you talking about? (laughs) But it was so interesting once he stepped into the value of who he was and what he was offering to be able for people to appreciate him for what he was bringing because the level of joy, education, knowledge, you know, I mean, all the studying, all the, all the focus that he had on what he was delivering came through in every performance, every conversation that he had. And he left those nuggets uh, and people still talk about them to, to this day. I mean, it's amazing to see seventh graders that he impacted who are now graduated from high school and in college. And they'll be like, oh yeah, I remember him. You know, It's just amazing how much we undervalue who we are and what we bring. So I just wanted to start there because I think everybody, as they look at their business, needs to understand that they are valuable. I 100% agree. And I'll, I'll just jump in to add a little bit to that. And and also, I just want to say that Pete was such a memorable person and he was that life-giving. Like every time he was with someone, he was searching in his brain of the millions of stories that he had to access the one that that person needed to hear on that day. And I want to actually use that as a transition to that's the secret. That's the secret to get away from the imposter syndrome. And those are the things I used to tell Pete you have to not think about yourself. So, so often we look in the mirror or we look at our product. So even if you're a bigger company and you're just looking at your product and you're saying, what is the value of that product? Well, then in order to validate that or to raise it, we have to look at the person. So ultimately, whether we have a product or service, whatever we're in and usually fit into either one of those categories, then you are, are you're changing something, right? So this product is going to feed my clients. This product is going to heal my clients. This service is going to do such and such with my clients. So then you look at what is that problem that you're solving and how are you solving it and how well are you? And so sometimes in my younger years, my willingness to solve the problem was the value in itself. Because sometimes I didn't fully know 
how I was going to do it. I knew parts of it, but I had to go study. And sometimes I would make some bold offers because I knew I was willing to go learn how to better solve that. So sometimes you're adding more. So when you look at the value and you're saying, am I good enough? Well, you really just have to ask, am I willing to help this person? And then what is that worth, right? So what is it worth that a seventh grader hears Pete and then in college makes new decisions or better decisions that, that, that launch their life? And sometimes we, we undervalue just because we don't look. We don't actually look what impact am I actually making. And then some of these things do take time too. So like in that case, that's like 10 years of life. And that takes basically research and data pooling so that you can validate that. But there are, but ask yourself now, what parts can you validate right now? What parts can you show? And then also, if you're starting right now, if you're just starting, then ask yourself, what problem am I solving and what's that worth? And if you don't know, ask the client. If that problem is solved in your life, how much would that be worth? What would you pay? And sometimes because I work in the business of freedom, I've had people say it's priceless, Steve. I can't even put a number on that. I can't put a number that I was able to fly and be with my grandmother or my mother at the end of their life, or I can't put a price that I was there at all my kids' ball games. And that's serious. Like, I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast before, but when, after I changed my life, because my father, I, I love him and he was so, I'm so grateful for everything he provided, but he didn't show up at any ball games for me or any of those things. I did play hockey in my twenties and he did come to some of those games and that was cool to see. So I think you're never too old to have that. But when I was younger, I missed that. So I made it a point and I, that's why I worked so much to, or I say work. Did you notice I said the work? I designed my life so that I could be with my son. And when my son was playing baseball, so I wanted to be there the whole time. So we went and my wife went with me too. almost all of them. We went to every practice and every game, every practice and every game. And so I didn't even notice until my son gets in the car after practice. And he said, mom, dad, is it weird that you're at practice? And I was like shocked. I was like, what, where'd this question go? And I said, what do you mean? Is it weird for you? Or I don't understand the question. I was like really dumbfounded. What do you mean it's weird to be ever? And then he says, well, you're the only parents, like none of the other kids, there's no other parents that are there. And then in my mind, I immediately flashed, looked at the bleachers in my mind. And I'm like, oh yeah, we're the only parents there at practice. And so then I said, oh, I guess we are the only ones. I understand that. And I said, well, is it weird for you? And he said, no, it's not weird for me. I said, well, is it okay if we keep watching your practice? And he said, yeah, dad, that's okay with me. I said, okay, well then I would like to come. And so that was that. But that's how far it could go to what value you're doing and what's the, what, how can I put a price on that? So then that's a, like a high level. So if so, there are people in my life that help that happen, right? So then what's the value of that? Like hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. I guess I want you to look outside of yourself. I think that's where we make the mistake. If you're looking in the mirror and saying, how can I be valuable? How am, am I valuable? That's the first part that's making it challenging you're not looking at the impact that you're already making 
sometimes you need to go ask, go ask the friends in your life, the people that hang out with you, ask them why they hang out with you. What do they gain? Ask the clients you have, like, what value do I bring to your life? Like, what's been the greatest result of working with me? Asking these questions and really writing down what you receive and then ask them how much that's worth. I've done this now with clients and been shocked that they told me a higher number than I charged them. Yeah. And doesn't that feel good? And then you're like, oh, I got to raise my price. So I guess I just want to echo all that. And those are the things that like I told Pete to do the same thing and, and just share with all of you now. And then still knowing this, I'm a teacher of this. And then I still made the mistake just to call myself out on it. And so I guess today's podcast for me is to like, in hopes, I can't promise I'll never make this mistake again, but I think I hope I don't. And I told my team, I guess I'll have to get like a shock collar or something. If I ever say, we're going to lower price, they could shock me or something. But <laughs> Well, maybe it wasn't a mistake. Maybe it was you knew this lesson, but we didn't. We didn't know that. And so it was something for us to sort of learn again or learn with you because we all have just been together for and we've known each other for a long time and we and I would love to speak on that too, what it was like to be a client and to now be part of the team. And so to have had that value, I think it does help be able to speak to that, to see everything that you've just articulated so well. But I think it is something that we had to experience too, because and I see what you're saying. I mean, it did feel good to be able to offer that, to be able to give that gift to people and to see them come in. But I know one of the things Giovanni was saying earlier is that when we do undervalue ourselves and we do undervalue our product, our service, it's actually a disservice to the people that we are trying to help. Because as you've said many times, like when you pay, you pay attention. Like when you have more skin in the game, like you are going to show up, you are going to do the work, you are going to try to get your money back. You're going to put in the time and effort. And so if we are, if we're not raising the bar, if we're not making it maybe uncomfortable is not the right word, but if we're not making it a very serious investment for somebody, then then they're not really going to show up and put their all into it, maybe in the way that they could to get the result that we are trying to help them have. So really, if we want people to have this great result that we know that they can have, then we need to charge appropriately. We need to make it worth their while so that they can have that priceless result that they're seeking and that we want so badly for them to have. And I think it does have to be a fair exchange. And I've heard people not directly speaking to me, but speaking about coaching in general saying, oh, coaching is so expensive. Like it's a, a bad thing. And it's it's hard to think about, okay, what's one thing you could say to somebody to to make everything that we're saying sort of hit home for them. But it is the exchange, like the the exchange, right? Like what are we paying and what are we hoping to get from that if we're going to buy a small thing then that's a tangible or a something that's not going to impact our life in a great way maybe we would expect to pay less for that but if we're talking about something like something to have real life change and I know for me when we met five six years ago I wanted that and so for the people who want that they are going to see the value and they are going to invest because there's something that they're trying to achieve and and this is the gift that we're giving them. And so, I mean, even just as a client to make that investment and know that, like you said, it was 
I made that investment when it was at the high point of what you were charging. And now we're offering it at like a fraction of that. And it didn't even hit me until you said that earlier today. I was like, oh, yeah, they're getting it for so much less. And it's okay. It's okay. I mean, I think it it is all what it was supposed to be. And it's helped us come together as a team and and work with the people we were supposed to work with for this past year. But when we do think about the life that we want, not just for us, but then on the life that we want for our clients and what we want them to have, it needs to, it needs to have that balance. Yeah, no, it's so it, and I've written big checks for coaching and mentorship. And part of the, the, the value in it for me is actually the money. Because when I wrote those big checks, I'm like, I have to do it now. So it actually was that it made it even more important for me to make that thing happen. And I want to also say that it's not always the money. I have met people that have bought my book sometimes when I had it for $9.99. So like a $10 investment and then ramped their life up to where they showed up in my mentorship. And so I'm lucky to have a few people like that, but it is a few, not everyone will do that. And so, but those people will become loud because you'll see them shooting up and they're doing anything they can to make it happen. So I just want to say, it's not always money. Someone will be motivated in life and they'll do it. The sad thing is the majority of our population, it is sad for me. I, I did say sad. It is to me. And even for myself, like, I also am included in that sadness because I've had to pay to motivate myself. I've had to write a big fat check that was really uncomfortable and sometimes even make payment plans so that I could afford something really, really expensive to invest in myself. But I'm also blessed to say like the most expensive thing I've spent money on is myself, my own personal development. And not everyone can say that. Maybe it's a house or a car. Yes, I've spent as much as a house on myself. That's crazy to say. I don't think I've ever said that out loud, but I'm realizing that that's true. And I guess I just want to couple it with one last story. When I remember in 2015, I promised myself that I would finish my first book. I promised. Summertime rolls around and I'm like an inch farther, like just a little bit farther along. And I'm like, oh no, I'm, I'm in jeopardy of not finishing this thing. And I called... I decided that I'm going to get a coach because I had already had coaches and I'm like, I need to pay for this. I need to. And I was conscious that I needed to spend money to force myself to do it. And I called one of my friends that had, he had not been an author when I met him. And then now he had four books. So I called him and I was going to call some other mentors, which I did do other book mentors. And then he told me I'm mentoring people and writing their book now, now that I've done four and so I ended up hiring him, my friend, but I, I wrote like a five figure check to work with him. And I will tell you one of the, that's one of the biggest factors. And then within six months, I, I hit number one in four countries and 14 categories with my book on January 26, 2016. So it happened. And could I have finished it without him? Maybe. Would I have hit number one in four countries and 14 categories? Probably not. So I learned new things I didn't know. I motivated myself because I wanted my money back. And and so, yeah, it, it, yeah it's, it's, it's a big deal. So let's pause real quick and take a break and we'll be right back. 
I just want to have an expression of gratitude right now for Pro Audio Voices. They're the ones that uh, produce my podcast. And Becky and her team are amazing. And for those of you that know me, I'm all about WOW clients, WOW partners. And Pro Audio Voices is a WOW partner for me. And if you want to learn more, you can go to ProAudioVoices.com and you can learn about them. They also do audiobooks and they're just amazing people. Thank you, Becky. Well, I remember you telling that story too. And working with him also took the guesswork out of it where you had even had your own worries that you weren't going to finish on time or that you weren't doing enough and you had like called him and said oh my gosh I don't think I'm going to get there and he said did you do what I told you to do for the week or I forgot like the month and then he was like okay put down the phone go play with your kids like just sort of trusting that there was a path and that you were being guided and it sort of just takes you could put all your energy into just following the guidance as opposed to trying to figure it out so like how much faster and you just brought it up. The thing he, my coach through questioning asked me why I was not writing the book. And what it came down to was that I had created a good life with my family. And I was afraid that I was still working my business and had my family time. And I've had it like just the way I wanted. So if I added this book thing, I would take away from my family. So that was my fear. And then the whole time he was telling me week by week, I would have a task every week for the six months that we worked together to finish the book. And I did call him halfway through and I was like, we're not going to make it in time. And, and then I, and he said, did you do what I told you this week? Like to what you just said, Stephanie. And then I said, yeah. And then he said, well, then hang up and go play with your kids. And I, 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 I said, okay, well, if, if we don't finish, it's on you then. Bye. <laughs> but yeah, he was right. I, I, I was having old workaholic tendencies and thinking that if I don't work hard, I'm not going to achieve. But he proved to me that the timeline was legit and he knew what needed to happen more than me because he had written four books and I had not. And so again, you follow the person that's already done it. Those are great lessons. Great lessons. And I think what's, I think the other thing that's more kind of gets me sometimes is when we, we just underinvest in ourselves. And so for you to say, I've spent all this money really investing in myself, kind of like, it's kind of what college used to be like. But I think, I think now it's almost like you want to be a life learner. And you want to continue to invest in yourself all the time because with technology, things change so much. And I think a lot of times we, when we think about the care for ourselves, we don't necessarily always think about professional development or mentorship or coaching and what that truly provides us. I mean, I always think about that chart that you that you give where it's like, there's always somebody in front of you and somebody behind you. Um, and you have the ability to connect with the person that's ahead of you so that you don't make the same mistakes that they made or any other mistakes for that matter. Maybe they can kind of help you understand the terrain <laughs> and, and you have the ability to guide the person that's behind you. And maybe they leapfrog over you at some point. But at the end of the day, it's all about getting there. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's where my mentor, my first big mentor that I had, he said that it's collapsing timeframes. 
because and and when I was really young, there was a man that I got to work with at the last job I had before I started my first company. And he said to me, he said, Steve, smart people learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from other people's mistakes. And that has stuck with me my whole life. And then, and but yet you're still not doing it as well as you could. And then later in life, someone says it in a different way and you you start collapsing those timeframes. Otherwise, we could, uh, if you want to learn everything yourself, then it'll it can take a long long time and then you so if you don't want time to fly by and not know how to do something then why would we not have a mentor and i think in the united states and i think in a lot of parts of the world but definitely in the united states and i can speak to that because i've lived so much of my life i have traveled and the only other country that i would say that i lived in would be australia because that i that i did so i have lived abroad um, but I, I guess I'll say this, that there's a lack of apprenticeship programs. Like the, I, that is one of my hopes and through the work that we do and continue to help others that I would like to see that increase. I, I remember talking to my grandparents and there was a time when you went and worked with a master practitioner or, uh, or a craftsman or whatever it was, like you worked with someone that was a master of that and you apprenticed. You were apprentice. You you went and worked under them, and until you became great at it. And that's the idea that Melissa, you brought up. There's always somebody better. Even when you become a master, there's always like another master that might have things you don't know about. And that's why masterminding has been so popular. Like so, even if you're all at a master level, but you're all congregating, you're gonna take a little nugget from this person and that. But then you can also look behind you and see the people that have not even gotten as far as you. And then I always like to take it to martial arts. You have, you have, you don't go, I haven't been to every dojo or any of those things, but when you go and you watch people that are learning any martial arts from what I've observed, but you don't see the black belt teaching the white belt every day. The black belt might show up, show it's possible and be there as a good leader, but it's usually like the belts that are just above a white belt, like they're helping. And then you take this thing that I learned many years ago. If you want to learn something, read about it. If you want to get good at it, do it. If you want to master it, teach it. And I've seen that in my own life. When I start to teach something, even this podcast is a gift to all of us. We're sharing what we've learned. It actually makes us slow down and observe what have we done that is of value and how do I articulate those things that I've done, which makes the learning go up for all of us. So this podcast in itself is a gift to us as hosts because we're having to, to teach something or share some story thereby escalating our own uh, power of that knowledge. So, so these are the things. So when you choose to teach, you're not just giving to others, you're giving to yourself and not in a selfish way. It's just leveling up again and again and again. So the journey, I believe I will always be a student. Always. I will always seek another teacher in my life. And then you can always look look back. And I don't know who it was. I was on a call in the last couple of weeks and someone said, I guess a rabbi story. They say, how do you tell who's a fake rabbi? And then if you say, and I didn't even know there could be a fake rabbi. It didn't even occur to me. But then the, the person said, you ask them to tell them about their rabbi. And if the person doesn't have any stories, then they're not a real rabbi. But if you ask any rabbi of any worth, then you ask them to talk about their rabbi, 
then they're going to have all these stories. And that's the same. It's like, if you're a teacher, tell me about your teachers. If you're a coach, tell me about your coaches. And I quickly validated that in my mind. The ones that are magnificent, they are the ones that will talk all day long. And look at this podcast. How many times did I say, my, this mentor of mine, this mentor, this teacher of mine, this, I'm doing that all day long. And it even happened, I don't know how many times in this podcast. So what you're saying, Melissa, is absolutely true. We're always students and teachers. If we choose to acknowledge that and really dive into it, you're going to accelerate your life. And it's beautiful. I think that just brings it back to the value. Like, how do you know what to value? And it's, you're investing so much to just pay that forward so that you know. And we've talked about that so many times. I mean, the, all the books behind you, all the mentorship that you've had, everything that you've done has allowed you to know what the right thing to share with the client is in that moment of need. There's, I mean, that really is priceless. And it keeps popping up for me that story of the guy who fixed something and it was a dollar part and he charged some insane amount of money. And it was to, because it was the knowledge it took, like the how many years of experience and learning and everything to be able to come in and fix something quickly. And I think there is so much to that. And I think as we grow and we get wiser and we learn, and then we can offer even more than the value of of our time goes up. It's not so much about time in or how much time you've spent, but what is the lesson that you can bring at just the right time to give that person exactly what they need to get them to the next step that they need to be at. So, I, I love that you brought that up because we didn't even talk about this yet. So glad. And we still have enough time. <laughs> so, so good. And you're like, to, to extrapolate on this, in our society, and I think much to a global level, we still value or we still put, we still put, I'll put it in these words, we still put the value of our earning on time. You, you look anywhere, almost everywhere, it's not 100%, but majority of the population on this planet get paid for their time in. And that right there is just sad. It's going to take time or revelation here to occur, to change that. But I, I want to invoke that change too. Like even as an employer, why would we want someone to have to work so many hours to get paid said dollar when as a company and or a nonprofit, whatever organization you're doing, the result is what we're here for, right? What's the core purpose of our, of our, our industry or our company or our cause there is something that we want to do. So if someone can create more of that, isn't that more valuable than working 80 hours and, and creating less? And then on that same standpoint, we diminish our energy because now you're putting all these hours, you're, you might even be disheartened because you're not giving getting the result that you would like. And we just do it day after day after day and collect that paycheck. And then it, you become a drone and then the creativity goes away. The productivity continues to diminish. And this is what we've seen in the more business, more life philosophy. When we have the companies that work with us reduce work hours, productivity goes up. So right there, just at that, we should realize the number of hours is not the value. Period. 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 Nothing more 
to say. And then, and then going to what Stephanie just brought up, how do you interpret the years of experience? If you hire the 19-year-old Steve, me, it's the same person, but you hire the 19-year-old Steve to coach you or the guy right now, right? What's the value of that? Totally different experience. 100%. And Melissa had the privilege of knowing me and all that time. And maybe I would have had some nuggets of knowledge back then. It would have been a good experience. Don't get me wrong, but it's a different experience now. I mean, and that's the one thing from a young age, I did have a desire to help people that was inside of me. I said, I think that's been like a constant. And so even as I started my service-based business, like my marketing firm, my production companies, I always wanted to do a good job. So that's what drove me. And that's what drove me to learn. Because if I didn't know how to do a good enough job, then I took it upon myself to learn more. So even in that, you could say I was investing more time to get the same result. But once I had that knowledge, so just, and now let's take it to time. So if you had 15 minutes with 19 year old Steve and you have 15 minutes with me now, what's going to be the value of that 15 minutes? Is it the same? Like, do we charge the same amount or did I get an incremental raise? I got a 1% a year raise or something. Like, is that the value of me? One of our clients, the fastest one that we ever had in 11 months, they increased $15 million in revenue in 11 months. In 11 months. So should that be, should I charge the same as when I used to help people make maybe thousands of dollars? What is that value? So again, going back to you, if you're thinking about this, you need to look at one of two things. What value am I actually delivering? And you, and if you don't know, you need to find out. You need to interview your clients and find out, right? How do I know that I increased them 15 million? Because we measured it. I knew the revenue going in. I knew the revenue where we were. And I made it a requirement. That if, if you won't give me visibility, how am I supposed to know I'm doing a good job? That's like driving a car with your daft, dashboard covered. How, how do you know if you have enough gas? How do you know if you're going over the speed limit? You don't know because you covered your dashboard. We don't want to do that. So we have to have visibility and we can see that. Now, if you're just starting out, you can ask yourself this question, what value am I going to deliver? And then make that commitment to learn it. So even if you don't fully know how to do it, the difference between doing it and not doing it is committing to doing it. So that means you need to hire coaches. That means you need to read more books. That means you need to learn the thing that's going to make that result. So if you look at a person having an issue, what product or service is going to change that and make the change in their life? And then what is that worth? And many business people and organizations have said this before, the bigger the problem you solve, the more money you make. It's not hours, it's results. And that's why someone can spend 15 minutes changing a fuse in a factory that was down. If you own a factory and it's working 24 seven, and then every minute that goes down, that it's down, you're losing thousands of dollars every minute. And let's say it's been down for a whole 24 hours and no one could fix it. And then some guy comes in and changes it, a fuse, and then charges you 10 grand. In 15 minutes, would it be worth it? And and the answer to that factory is absolutely right. Even if it was a thousand dollars a minute or a thousand dollars an hour, let's just say they lost a thousand dollars an hour and they were down for 24 hours, that's 24 grand. Would you pay 10 grand to get it back online and know at the same time why it went down? So next time if that happens, you could change that fuse. That 10 grand could be worth so much more for the years to come because if that fuse ever breaks, you probably don't need that same person to come back. 
You just have someone in the factory change the fuse. Now that 10 grand saved you hundreds of thousands of dollars from downtime in the future if that fuse ever blows. I'm so glad you brought that up, Stephanie, because I hope this brings some new awareness to every CEO, every employer, and every employee. And even if you're an employee of a company that's paying you by the hour, I always looked at every one of the jobs I had, and this is when you know you're not really like an, a regular employee. I added value to all the jobs I was at and I couldn't help myself. I even tried to work as slow as the other people at the last job that I had and I fell asleep at work. I, I couldn't even work that slow. I was like, oh my gosh, how do you people do this? I'm like, I can't work that slow. I just provided more value. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people out there where that are working at companies and they always think they're different, right? Because it's like, well, I don't have to do that. I could just do this and sit over here in this chair and do whatever it is they're asking me. But it's like, there are people that are just made up differently. And it's like, I can't just sit here and do that. I want to give more. I want to perform at a higher level, right? Um, you know, entrepreneurs, they want to continue to grow and and do things. But it's, it's all about how we manage the risk. And I know when I was at Visa, some of the stuff we were doing was all about identifying fraud. And we used to have this saying that people would say, you could identify the fraud if you just cut off all the transactions, right? So you would have no fraud if you just stopped all transactions altogether. But then you would have no business. So so you have to learn how to manage the risk, right? Identify the bad and focus on the good. Yeah, even I use I do that in like a retail scenario. Can you imagine you lock the door to your retail store and then you only let people you want in because you're worried about theft or whatever or or bad customers? Then you basically are gonna lose a bunch of customers because they have to like try to get through the door. All right. The reality is you leave the door open and then if you have a bad situation, you have to deal with that isolated situation. But usually it's less than the the people that are good people that want to work with you. I guess we're coming to the close of another amazing podcast. We Hopefully everyone's getting value from this that's listening. My phone's flashing at me. I have my little timer on. It's saying, it's not flashing that we're done, but it's giving me the three minute warning here. I don't know. This is a weird one for us. I, I wonder like, out of this discussion, this is what's coming through my brain right now. What was our, your biggest takeaway or or one more thing you'd like to add? I'll leave it as an or. I can just pass it around. Out of the discussion, what was the biggest takeaway for you? Or is there something we didn't talk about that you want to add before we end? Either one. So, well, I'll just jump in and say, I think one of the things, and it, it brought me back when you talked about when I transitioned over and it was kind of like you go through the struggle of identifying like, what should my prices be? What am I charging? What's my value? And when you talked about go ask your clients, go ask. I mean, you may be a new entrepreneur. Maybe you don't have any clients, but go talk to people about whatever it is that you've been doing, because there's a lot of people that you end up with this side hustle. And maybe you're giving it, you've been giving it away or whatever. But all of a sudden you have this population of people that you can ask and say, what did you get out of that? How was it? What did it mean to you? And all of those things start to really help you understand 
the value you bring and the impact that you have, your purpose and how those things connect. And so I think it's funny because I think it, it, it tends to come back to that connection relationship. And I think this morning we were having a conversation and Steve had the, has this wonderful way of showing you that the people that you have been, that have been involved in your life, you don't even realize how you can help them. And so like I always think about meeting new people and then having you also say, look at the people that you, you've met and what relationships that you've had, just be you and, and take it to the next level. So I just want to encourage and inspire people that it's like, just you're worth it. You take the jump, take the, take the leap, have the faith and just know how much you're valued and make sure that you're, that people know what you, your value is and don't apologize for it. Well, I was just thinking back to how we even started off the podcast and just talking about how from a really good place, wanting to offer services and products to people for free or at a lower charge because you want to give and you want to help and you want them to have this great value and then how that wasn't really received and then even offering something at a lower value where you're pouring so much of your self in, your time your expertise, everything, and then it not being as well received or people not engaging at as high of a rate, I think it's a big takeaway. But then there's also a piece that we didn't really talk about. And I know that when I was first building my business 15 years ago, 20 years ago in marketing, I gave all my time and energy for free because I was trying so hard to build and build a reputation and all of that. But then it gets to a point where when you just give, 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 and that isn't like a fair exchange or it's not reciprocated appropriately with the investment from the person on the other side, it does creep in like a little bit of, I, I don't know if it's as strong as the word resentment, but you get tired. Like it doesn't give you enough space or financial abundance or whatever that might be to actually continue to provide at that level. And so it is really important that we charge appropriately so that we can give all of our love so we can continue to add value so that it doesn't impact the relationship, get in the way or creep in in some way to where you don't feel so, so good about it and that it maybe robs you of space to continue to improve yourself or space to have the family time or whatever that is. And I, I think something you said not that long ago where we just talked about our desire to help others have the abundance that they desire will bring abundance to us. But only if we get to a place where we were charging what we're worth. So I love that we're talking not only about the value that we're giving, but what do we feel like we're worth for one, to actually make that investment and invest in ourselves or to to get put out that financial commitment. But then also, what is that worth to the person on the other side? what is that great result that we're trying to get and what will having that really do for them? Like really, and layers thick. I mean, it's not just on the surface, the immediate result, but even to your point about Pete, like that seventh grader got amazing value in that moment and then it kept paying dividends over the years. So yeah, I mean, I think it's just a beautiful conversation. So thank you both. It's so important to add. So I'm going to add two things now. Like, so I want to say that when we, 
charge enough, then we can invest in ourselves. So your value continues to go up. If you get to a certain level and you're working all the time at a certain amount, right, that you're that you're earning, then ultimately then you stop your growth because you're working all the time to make that level of income. And so if we actually learn more, become wiser, charge more for that wisdom, then we can actually lower our work hours, which is kind of going to the more business, more life philosophy. Then we can spend more time investing in ourselves and then become even more valuable. And not just from a monetary standpoint, yes, you can get paid more. And then that means you can learn more. You can invest more. You can do all the things you want. You can even give back more. You can give to nonprofits and do so many things or invest civically, do so many things in the world that you would possibly like to do. And then you raise your value even more. So then the circle keeps going. Then you actually can earn more, give more and all of that. And I just want to like close with a story that I think encapsulates a lot of this. So especially for someone like starting out or if you're already got it going and you're wondering how can you earn more for your time by the wisdom and the value and the result that you're giving, not the time. So time is still part of the equation because you're giving your life force to any one thing, whether developing a product or a service. So ultimately we are giving time, but how do we move time, make time a lesser requirement to the equation and the value and the result, the higher part of the equation? That's what we're talking about. And so one way that I found to do it with clients, I had a, a client and a friend, a, a friend first, and then came in through my through my program and they were starting out and they were in coaching and they were doing sessions and their goal was to get to $350 a session. And that also had a little bit of that imposter syndrome that we talked about earlier, like, am I worth $350 a session? And so there wasn't exactly the confidence. And that also comes from the experience, right? So like once we experience that we've helped someone, then our confidence goes up and then our experience goes up more and then our confidence goes up more and so forth, so on. And it just keeps going up. So what I suggested and what I suggest for everyone still to this day is that you incrementally create lit limiters. So I told them, okay, go get five sessions for free, five sessions. And then this goes back to what Melissa just said, then go ask them what value they gained. What was the result of those five sessions so that you can refuel that into yourself and say, I did that. I helped this well. And then help five more people at 50 bucks each. And then tell people, I'm only taking five people. Now you're creating a real limiter so that you can get some movement, right? That inertia and people go, I'll, I'll sign up for one of those at 50. And then once you do those five, then do five at a hundred bucks a session. And by this time, I think a few people that bought the hundred, they're like, oh, can I get one at the 150? They wanted one before. So that much value was created and they saw the price kept going up. And so then by this point on his website, he put, the five for free, cross the line out. The five for 50, cross the line out. The five for 100, cross the line out. And so then, then he did five at 150, five at 200, five at 250. And I, I can't remember which one it was. At 200 or 250, one person bought all of them because they didn't want them before the price went up. So someone that he had already done a session got so much value. And now what's happening to his confidence? Oh my gosh, they're willing to buy the whole five? So he's like, okay, I'm gonna, and at this time, I'm telling you, you're going to have to start making packages and, and, and people are going to want to work with you, not once, over and over. So you're going to need that. You're going to set up reoccurring revenue and 
So we started talking about that, but he had gotten to that level of confidence. And this is all in the matter of six to eight weeks. So in the matter of two weeks, he went from zero, not to 350, which was his desire. But because of this momentum, he blew past that. And he got to $500 a session. Because once he got to 350, he noticed how fast they're filling up. So he's like, what if I do 400? Five people at 400 filled up. Five people at 450 filled up. Five people at 500 filled up. Now, by this point, then he started selling monthly packages and really building his business uh, to another level with consistent revenue of people coming back month after month. But what happened? The experience caused the noticing of the results. The noticing of the results gained the confidence. And then that all equated with the willingness to charge and and then grow a meaningful business that you're helping a lot more people and you're also giving yourself enough money to invest in yourself. So going back to the circle, you can keep investing and you can keep having more value and help more people. So hopefully, hopefully this has been a great discussion for you to really look past yourself and to the results and the value that you're delivering and notice that you can do that. And if you're just starting out, then you have to start with your intention. What is the intention that you, what what thing do you want to solve? How are you doing this? And then just keep working on it. And as you keep working on it, you'll keep increasing the value. And then how do you determine that you've done that? You ask, what result did I deliver to you? What value was that? What did having that do for you? Ask these questions and then it will continue your path. And for us in closing, this is the end. Hopefully for me, this will be the last time learning this mistake. I'm going to charge my higher price. I mean, when you know you make people millionaires, is it worth spending a hundred grand to make a million dollars a year for the rest of your life? How do you, then you start to realize, okay, I need to charge appropriately. And then that goes the same medicine back to me. Then I can donate to nonprofits. I can give where I want to give but I can charge what's appropriate for the people that want that special time of mentorship with me. So, so this is the end. We decided 12 more people are going to get the price point that we have currently. And if you're already on our social media or you're on our email list, then just hit reply to the email or DM us if you want one of those spots, because we're super serious. This is the end. So send us a message and we can send you what we're doing. And if it's a good fit, then awesome. And if not, that's totally okay too. We love you the same. So until next time, remember, choose gratitude and create freedom. I love you all. Thanks for listening to the More Business, More Life podcast. I hope you got value. And if you did, we have so many more things for you at stevenoplaton.com. You'll be able to connect with us on social media. We are active. You can ask us questions. And then on top of that, I want to give you a really big gift. And it truly is. We want to give so much value. We have an offering. It's a program called Clear Path to Customers. It's the same way that we attract wow clients and only working with the right people, the people we want to. And it's transformed my business into millions more in revenue with the right people and my clients. And we're doing it absolutely free. So you can go to stevenoplaton.com and grab that. You just got to put in your information. We'll send it to you promptly. And that again is on stevenoplaton.com. 
www.thinkandgrowthpodcast.com. I look forward to having you on the next show. Until then, remember, choose gratitude and create freedom. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.